Teachers are so important. Like, they actually are. Care about it and, like, actually try. I believe it is a beautiful piece of art. Welcome along to See Me After Class for 2020. This is a podcast that emanates from a beautiful school in the southern Alps of New Zealand. Now, let's meet the team. And here is Cathy, a parent who aspires to make connections in a community to build a successful future. This is Chris, who aspires to be an agitator who tests the boundaries just to see how the system reacts. And this is Anna, a silent observer who's a go-between between the students and the teachers in a classroom. This is Renee, who aspires to forge a progressive and creative path. And together, we are See Me After Class. Welcome to See Me After Class. Just before we launch into this week's episode, we wanted to mention that there are matters discussed in this week's episode that may be distressing for some people. And as a result, we have got some links in the show notes to places you can go should you find our conversation triggers concerns for you personally. Welcome along to See Me After Class, everybody. It is episode 42 this week, and it is week seven of term one. Hello, Anna, Kathy, and Chris. Hello. Hello, Renee. Hello. It's nice all to be together. And we decided it was really important to be all together this week because we've decided to tackle a quite important topic, one that matters a lot to us, and that's the topic of bullying. And there's so many angles from which we can approach this. We thought we'd outline what our thoughts are about how we'd like to talk about this. And then this first episode, we're going to look at maybe just defining the problem a little bit. First of all, Kathy's been to a a couple of sessions when her children were in primary school where definitions of bullying were discussed. And you were going to share some of those with us. Yes. It just stuck in my mind because I can still picture being in an auditorium with other parents and I don't remember whether there was something, a presenting issue that brought on the speaker or whether it was just an ongoing education piece, but I can so specifically remember the principal standing up and saying um, what bullying is and what it Mm. isn't. And the the things that my memory says are that bullying is intentional and ongoing. And those are the characteristics that have stuck with me. So when I hear about behavior that I wouldn't be happy about as a parent um, happening to, to kids around me, those are the things that I, that I think about. I wanted to check that definition with you guys and see what your understanding of it is, as opposed to the one-off you know, meanness <laughs> on the playground yeah. or the, you know, the, the push here or whatever, um, that it actually has to be kind of premeditated, intentional, and ongoing with a particular target. I would say, from my point of view, I would say that that's definitely the kind of persecution that may have the most profound effect. But I wonder if, I don't know if I'd want people listening to exclude those one-off events and Mm. start thinking, oh no, uh, I can't call that bullying because it was only done once. Mm. Because uh, there are also those other incidents which might be isolated but profound like possibly we've had this in our own lives where one person in a position of authority perhaps has said one thing Mm. that's been quite triggering and that's still I think falls within the domain but I would agree in terms of 
the main centre of what happens in schools is that these things are generally sustained, aren't they? Mm. Yeah. I think sustained is a key for me, that ongoing sort of um, uh, meanness, if you will, or persecution of an individual, possibly sometimes not um, consciously intentional by somebody, but just that ongoing... Um, yeah, sort of current of, of, of mean behaviour towards somebody. That's a big one for me. I would say the same. Um, the research I've done about the bullying that we've been talking about has always been about generally primary school age, which I find really interesting that that's, it seems to be the, the worst time for kids in New Zealand. Um, and if it is established then, then that's obviously the time that we need to be aware of it, particularly as um, teachers or parents to be able to support our kids and the pupils that we teach as well um, and to be able to give them the opportunity to come and approach any one of us, whatever level we are, parent, teacher, TA, um, and give them the opportunity to share whatever they're concerned about. It doesn't have to be defined as bullying as such, just if you have concerns then we, we're the people that can support you with this. To a certain extent the label doesn't matter, does no. it? It, it? It's the effect of the behaviour that we're really dealing with. And, and the implications and the repercussions um, on individual students, but also I think we're interested in exploring the, the system around mm, that yeah. and whether the system kind of supports that kind of behavior or whether the system can do something to stop it. That's right, and of course I also always think in terms of the future implications. So over time, what impact does it have if bullying is allowed to establish itself? And not only on the victims, but mm. also on the perpetrators and the entire culture that surrounds them. Mm. I, th I think it has a toxic effect that is quite far-reaching. And as part of that, we mentioned last week that we were going to be talking on this subject and ask listeners if they wanted to make a contribution. And we have listeners who have. And so we'd like to read... In fact, we've received some quite comprehensive responses from one listener who was very keen to share their experiences as part of this discussion. So instead of speaking for them, I just thought I'd read the first part. What they've written is essentially framed around what the experiences were for them. Then they talked about the kind of consequences for them, and then they talked about the sorts of things that could be done to mitigate this kind of experience or behavior in school so it's really i think that's three podcasts for us so so we can start today by talking about what it is like we have and also what what is actually happening mm. i'm also quite keen to speak from my own experience on this but i'll start with this listener's experience and read what they wrote i personally experienced mostly verbal bullying and a bit of social bullying i would say that there were primary primarily two main people who bullied me over the course of my life, over different years, and the occasional, say, catty girl who had it out for me for one reason or another. The main people I was actually incredibly close to. The first person was a close family friend who was a few years older than me. I looked up to her a lot and was desperate for her to like me. She'd talk to me about people behind their backs, and I would always agree with what she had to say because I adored her. She actually turned me against one or two of my friends, as she'd say things that she didn't like about them, and I'd agree. This impacted my relationships with them, as I could only see what this girl saw. I would honestly do or think whatever she wanted me to. I also let her friends say whatever they wanted to about me, because I thought she'd back me, but she never did. One of her friends did physically hurt me one time, 
and they go on to say that it wasn't bad, but it upset them a lot. And I remember them laughing about it. This girl knew my password to any accounts I had online, which was mostly just for emails and games since we were younger, but she'd still go onto these accounts and get rid of or change whatever she wanted. I confronted her once about this and she blamed it on a mutual friend and I believed her. It actually took me until I was about 16 to figure out all of this, by the way. I always idolised her, even after we stopped seeing each other as often, which was when I was probably about 10 or 11 years old. I won't go into the second girl a lot for personal reasons, but she was also a very, very close friend. She would call me names that have still stuck with me to this day. I can remember as far back as year two when she called me sensitive, and then she left to hang with another group of girls. She used to tell me things she had overheard teachers saying about me, which weren't necessarily true, and they were all negative and really knocked my self-confidence. There was a lot of competition between us which led to arguments of stupidest little things. I remember I would always lose and end up locking myself in a bathroom to cry while she told me to grow up and stop being attention seeking. By the end of our friendship I had no one to turn to because she had taken them all. Lastly I thought I'd quickly go over the miscellaneous or one-off bullying instances. I've had some of the parents of people who don't like me say negative things about me to my face which is definitely not something you forget easily. I've had people stand up and move away when I've sat next to them in class. I've confided in friends about serious topics like my mental health and sexuality only to hear later that they've been talking to our mutual friends about what I was feeling and saying that it was invalid or an obnoxious cry for help. Now it's quite heartrending to hear this. And at the same time, I think it's really important to acknowledge that this is quite f common. Mm. I, I was wanting to say ordinary. This sort of this person's experienced some pretty profound bullying over a long period of time, mm -hmm. but they are not the only person. And I think the thing that also comes to me when I read that is the recognition of the fact that no one, none of the adults that surrounded her would have been aware of this. Yeah. They would have been completely oblivious mm. and yet this would have dominated that person's entire existence, certainly mm. social existence mm. and experience at school. And the depth of that is shocking to me. Mm. I think when you're that age as well, going through um, primary school, things become enormous and at the time they are the most important things in your life. Um, having people surround you, either uh, friends in your class or teachers that you can rely on to 100% back you or a parent to go home to and completely believe in you is not as common as we'd like it to be. Um, my own experience was when I was a wee bit older, when I was about 17 and I had to start a college, I was very young um, and there were two girls that targeted me and I would have thought I was quite a confident young woman um, and they said really specific things about my appearance and really specific things about my attitude which I had never questioned before. I had a great family support and really good family backup. I also had a big sister who was my sort of forging path. She was brilliant um, and with that it took me a long time, probably really until I was quite um, probably in my late 20s to realise how much that bullying had destroyed my confidence where I'd felt like I was a, a much more confident person. But this person that's talking to us is so much younger than that and can identify from probably the age of six that that's when that person was getting bullied, mm. which is harsh. Mm. And it really sounds like 
this person felt that isolation that you've Very just much. talked about, Anna, and that they didn't feel like they really had a place to turn to. And I think that's part of that. The, the the power that the bully has is mm. that social manipulation and that ability to make you think there isn't anywhere to go. Yeah, yeah. And it reminds you how important it is for them to have that outlet. And I reflect on one of my children at a, in primary school, not specifically being the vic- neither the victim nor the perpetrator, mm-hmm. but around bullying in a peer set that was absolutely rife with it. And it was very upsetting for my child, just who has a huge sense of empathy and social justice, so could mm. see that mm. you know there were a lot of wrongs being done. It really, really bothered you know, my my child. And but yet the attention intention was being given to victims and perpetrators. Yeah. But you kind of forget, and it's a good reminder that this does reach out and have has a, a creeping. Um, kind of effect on things around them and eventually it did pop I mean the, the, yeah. the stress got to a point where it did erupt in, in mm. my child and the outlet was actually not even me because my mm. child felt that they couldn't talk to me about it yeah. but was a teacher who did take an interest specifically in that particular situation of the betwixt mm. and between and that was um, really helpful so you know it's in your hands again as, as that parents are looking to you all as educators I just know how precarious that existence can be for some young people um, and how much you know trust we put in you to to I Poss- guess identify yeah I understand you put that trust in it but I think about you know the, the fact that I stand in front of these groups of students day after day saying what I can being as authentic as I can mm. standing for the things i hopefully can stand for. In fact, as you arrived today, I was writing an email in defense of a group of kids in the school. But at the same time, we make mistakes. And sometimes we're just plain wrong as teachers. I guess that comes to my story as well. I I was bullied in that sustained way through secondary school because I was identified as gay. And the in the time, this we're talking about the 1980s, well, it was a time when that was considered to be it was sort of put in parity with pedophilia in terms of people's minds and and that that label which was attached to me by a group of kids who were just being um nasty but Mm. they were being children started to echo through the adult teachers in the school and I was called a faggot in the classroom by teachers when I was in the equivalent of year nine and year ten and it was used as a way of quietening me down it was kind of the label that attached to me by the entire community one of the things that I think I relate to the person who's written to us in relation to this is the isolation and loneliness of it one of the things about sexuality is often that you don't necessarily share that with your family like a lot of groups who exist as minorities or persecuted groups often have that in common with their family and it's always going to be difficult to, to relate to your family but the idea I had was that if my family found this thing out about me that I would be excluded from my family as well and the um, the sense of shame and the internalization of that in terms of feeling that the things that people are saying about you are true about you which again resonates with the person who's written to us I have I still battle with that so Mm -hmm. I'm 49 now and I still have to work really hard in social situations to maintain my confidence because of my heightened sensitivity towards I guess actual actually in many ways the sense of the potential threat in social circumstances and so teachers 
consolidated that they legitimized it in my school experience i felt uh, if anything i think the most harm was done by teachers so something that i i think we need to do and i think renee and i have worked on through the entire scope of this podcast is to maintain a really strong critical voice about what schools do and how we mm. how we conduct ourselves and the choices we make and the actions we take and also of course about that that self-critical aspect of things mm. and the fact that we have to consider teachers as much as anyone else in the community as being just as fallible and therefore uh, open to being questioned and available for criticism is really important in the protection of the kids. Just handing young people over to schools and saying they are vulnerable, look after them, isn't enough. We, ha- we have to keep our eyes open. One thing I think, that watching the two of you teach, Renee and Chris, um, it's really interesting how much personality you bring into your classrooms. Now that might be something to do with um, being English teachers and having a real passion for English which you might not get in some other subjects but a lot of your personality comes into it and with that there'll be kids who are drawn to your personality which is fantastic and they are are, are given it a, a, a platform that is comfortable and safe for them and with that I would hope that that continues throughout the school for them from my level as a TA um, and also as a parent, I struggle to walk past any kid who is upset and who is sad. And I'll always introduce myself, my name is Anna, I'm a TA, I work in HQ. Are you all right? Is there something I can help you with as well? So I'd hope that at Mac, there are those levels of individuals who kids can find something in common with and think, yeah, I, I definitely could speak to Mr. Wall. I could definitely speak to Chris. Mm. Or I could def- definitely speak to Renee. That there would be somebody within the school that they could approach. But it is up to us, isn't it, to constantly make kids aware that there are areas of um, safety for them within yeah. the school. And outside school, I think parents have, well, adults in the community. I mean, again, mm. from our, our listener who wrote in the impact of the... Uh, parents in the community making observations about them was upsetting Mm. and there's been some research done in our community here with um, young people about their perceptions of the community around them and that echoes the same thing there is real awareness of what other adults think of them so the more open we can be as as parents to Mm. other people's kids the better too because it is about trust and safety because people are to, who are going through this and who feel so isolated really all they want is to know they're not alone yeah. mm. and they aren't but they can't always see that so um, you never know when that opportunity might arise just like you're describing mm-hmm. Anna if you mm-hmm. see someone you know here at school mm. I see someone you know in town or on the street I likewise mm. kind of can't help myself much to my kids embarrassment oh, usually but at, at the same time, I think it's really important that we um, recognise that uh, constantly re-offering yes. and restating and reinforcing our availability and also our stance on these things yes. so that there's this constant narrative which is constantly repeated rather than something that's said once or twice or yes. and, and definitely not left to be inferred. I was quite disturbed also in relation to the person who wrote in to hear that the person who was bullying them also had access to all their online accounts and could kind of manage their online presence through that. Now, I can understand the trap of that. Once you've shared your password with someone, it's an act of friendship. Mm -hmm. If you changed it, then you're 
acting to violate that mm. friendship, which would be noticed by the person immediately. And if you're not feeling empowered, then you won't do that. Now, that probably that, that's a seam of um, avenue for bullying that is new mm. in the modern world. Mm. But when you think about the implications of that or the reach of that yeah. and the power that that gives the person over the individual that they're persecuting, then that's kind of extraordinary. It is a whole other realm, and we have that wonderful group, Sticks and Stones, now in New Zealand, started right here in this area, that does address you know, cyberbullying, but you're talking, this is a particular element of it that you're right, mm. wouldn't often occur. The other piece of it I think is apparent is how little, how hard it is to find out what's happening in our kids' digital lives. And so, again, it, it, it just means there's a lot of space that we're not walking in with our kids mm. the way our parents walked with us. Yeah. I often say that we should be on those platforms with them, even though a lot of people say, oh, no, it wouldn't be appropriate to be. And I'm thinking, well, actually, we're the, we're the adult uh, supervisors who should be present and, mm-hmm. and be able to see the posts and, and be part of that conversation because even though it might not be that fun for us, it's often the case when you're spending a lot of time around a lot of teenagers. It's, um, it's, it's about the impact we have by mere virtue of our presence. I think that's I think that's a really important thing to consider but also this idea that if somebody says something to any one of us as a teacher as a parent that we listen mm. and that we take it seriously and that we act in some way that's going to enable them to see that we're there for them that we're in their corner regardless of if it's in the physical world or in the digital world that you know we take action in the way that we think that we can. Kathy's so. just sneaking out because she has a commitment. So see you, Kathy. <laughs> Thank you very much for being here. And I think we can use this as a point to put a full stop on today's discussion. We are going to carry this on over a series of podcasts. And today was mainly about just starting to define the bullying issue and talk about experiences that some of us may have had. Next time, we're going to talk more about the implications, so the effect of this. And then the last, the last podcast, we're going to start having a conversation about what kind of remedies there are and ways that we might be able to act ourselves as well as our colleagues and the, and the young people around us to actually change the circumstances because it, it, yeah, we, we can at least acknowledge that it's happening. Absolutely. I was going to say exactly the same thing. You know? yeah. <laughs> I think it is, and it's a, it's it's an incredibly um, real part of many of our young people's, and I mean even mm. today, like yeah. our own lives, as you've discussed today, Chris, mm. it, it has an everlasting effect. I think, and for that reason, we need to spend some time with this. Yeah, I think. Right. that's right. Thank you very much. Really lovely to see you both. Yeah, you too. You. Yeah. Catch you next week. Bye. Bye. This was an episode of See Me After Class with Renee and Chris. My Twitter handle is at edutronic underscore net. And mine is at Renee Plunkett too. See you next week. <laughs>